Welcome to Face Your Faith with West Kenyon. It is our hope that today's study will encourage you to grow deeply in your relationship with God as we study the Word together. Now let's join West for today's study. Today we will be taking some time to focus on and potentially get reacquainted with one of, if not the world's most famous hymn, Amazing Grace. And this year marks the 250th anniversary since the Reverend John Newton wrote this incredibly powerful hymn, and it is a hymn that is sung all over the world and for many occasions. But have you ever stopped to ponder just the words that tell the most amazing story of one man's encounter with God's perfect grace? And that is what we are going to look at today, the story of a man who found God through tormenting trials, blasphemous rebellion, rage, and hate. It is the testimony of a man who truly was lost, but was found. It is one of the best told stories of salvation. According to Bernard Martin in his 1950 book, John Newton, A Biography, he states, while aboard the ship Greyhound, Newton gained notoriety as being one of the most profane men the captain had ever met. In a culture where sailors habitually swore, Newton was admonished several times for not only using the worst words the captain had ever heard, but creating new ones to exceed the limits of verbal debauchery. In March 1748, while the Greyhound was in the North Atlantic, a violent storm came upon the ship that was so rough it swept overboard a crew member who was standing where Newton had been moments before. After hours of the crew emptying water from the ship and expecting to be capsized, Newton and another mate tied themselves to the ship's pump to keep from being washed overboard. After proposing the measure to the captain, Newton had turned and said, If this will not do, then Lord, have mercy upon us. Newton rested briefly before returning to the deck to steer for the next 11 hours. During this time at the wheel, he pondered his divine challenge. And the following excerpt from Jonathan Aitken's book, John Newton, From Disgrace to Amazing Grace, Aitken states about two weeks later, after the storm at sea, the battered ship and starving crew landed in Loughswilly, Ireland. For several weeks before the storm, however, Newton had been reading The Christian's Pattern, a summary of the 15th century, The Imitation of Christ, by Thomas Acampus. The memory of Newton's own Lord have mercy upon us uttered during his moment of desperation in the storm, did not leave him, however. He began to ask if he was worthy of God's mercy or in any way redeemable. Not only had he neglected his faith, but directly opposed it, mocking others who showed theirs, deriding and denouncing God as a complete myth. He came to believe that God had sent him a profound message and had begun to work through him. And this is a quick peek at Newton's life to help set the stage for our journey through the profound words of this song. And this gives us a pretty good understanding of Newton's crazy yet very understandable life, in my opinion. So let's take a good look now at the words of this hymn and the incredible testimony Newton left us with, and then we are going to break it down for a deeper understanding. But before we go to the words of this song, let's listen to this ever-so-famous melody, which has been arranged and performed for us by Dr. Guy Watley. At the close of this message, we will also hear from Mark Tichy and his performance and arrangement for guitar, following the closing prayer. Here now, Dr. Guy Watley.
Now let's take a look at the words of this hymn. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. The Lord has promised good to me. His word my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. Yea, when this flesh and heart shall fail, the mortal life shall cease. I shall possess within the veil a life of joy and peace. The earth shall soon dissolve like snow, the sun forbear to shine, but God, who called me here below, will be forever mine. And that concludes the original hymn. But many, however, know there is an additional verse which was added later and goes as follows. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun. With that, however, we are going to focus on just the original verses and break down this testimony, this story, verse by verse. So let's look at verse 1. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. And let's start by looking at what grace is. And a great place to get a good idea of that is the dictionary. And it says grace is unmerited, not earned or deserved, divine assistance given to humans for their regeneration or sanctification. Second definition in the series, a virtue, a moral excellence coming from God. Third, approval and favor. Fourth, mercy and pardon. And fifth, a disposition to or an act or instance of kindness. Yes, that is what grace looks like from God, although it truly cannot be remotely described by words in God's word or through a dictionary definition until it has been seen and experienced. Words can simply not describe the act of the grace of God and how he dumps it out into our lives. And we see that Newton was only able to describe what grace felt like through a direct experience from God, and that is indeed amazing grace. Newton goes in to then say, not only is grace amazing, it has a sound, and a sweet sound at that. And I think it is so descriptive that he uses the word sweet, because the only way you know something is sweet is only recognized by taste. And Newton has made it very clear that he indeed tasted, drank in God's grace that is so delicious. He goes on to tell us that even though he was a wretch, someone whose entire being was deeply afflicted, distressed, mean, and contemptible, could be saved by God's grace, that nothing was too big, too bad, too detestable for God to overcome. We then see Newton giving us still more physical feelings of what took place, and that of being lost and blind. But in the end, he was found and could see clearly, and only through what God had done for him. And I pulled this first verse apart in a bit more detail than I will the rest, and for the simple reason that it is the first verse that highlights the entirety of his remaining experience. Now on to verse 2. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. 
How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. Newton makes it quite clear here that in this first line, it is all grace and only grace that showed him fear. No, not being afraid or scared, but the fear of respect and trust. But he masterfully moves on in the second line and states that trust and deep respect of God did relieve him from being terrified and scared. So it is that fear separated him from fear. And this all happened right away. It was an instant knowledge and immediate transformation. On to verse 3. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Now we get to hear a bit about Newton's past and the condition he was in when he finally called out to God to save him from drowning to death in the storm of his own life. Newton describes that he was living in one dangerous situation after another. He goes on to say his life was toil, long, strenuous, and fatiguing, and agonizing work, and it was full of snares and tangled, trapped, noosed, and held captive by his own self-driven life. But in the next two lines, Newton reminds us that through it all, the most hideous times of his life, the worst of the worst, it was God and only God by his grace that he made it, and not just made it, but made it safely to this point. And that same grace that took him through the most rebellious, hate-filled times of his life will take him the rest of the way through the remainder of his life here on earth to his final and eternal home in glory with God in heaven. Looking now at verse 4, the Lord has promised good to me. His word my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. And the wording of this verse is quite direct. Newton makes it very clear that God has indeed promised good in his life. Even though he initially wanted nothing to do with God, and he continues further by saying that God's word affirms the hopes he has in God and the hopes of eternity in perfect freedom from all that was. Not only that, Newton acknowledged that God will be his personal shield, his defense, his protector. But what is this word portion he references? Let's head back to the dictionary and take a look. And it says of portion, an individual's part or share of something, such as a share received by gift or inheritance. And the definition goes on to say, it is enough food, especially of one kind, to serve one person at a meal. And is that not a direct correlation to give us this day our daily bread? So Newton is telling us that not only is God his ultimate protector, his armor, but Christ is his gift, his inheritance through salvation, and is the provider of all the sustenance he needs each day and is always given just the right amount. And for how long? As long as life goes on, a life without end. Now verse 5. Yea, when this flesh and heart shall fail, and mortal life shall cease, I shall possess within the veil a life of joy and peace. And here, Newton starts off with a word we typically only recognize as yea or nay, as in yes or no. But in this case, the word yea means bigger than what I have told you so far. When I get old and my body begins to fail, and then when my life ends here on earth, I will have with me, under the authority of God and within my renewed heavenly body, an eternal life of joy and peace. And now for the final verse, verse 6. The earth shall soon dissolve like snow, the sun forbear to shine. But God, who called me here below, 
will be forever mine. Newton now takes us to the end of time. In the first two lines, the return of Christ, the end of this world as we know it. And we have confirmation of this from both 2 Peter 3 and Revelation 6. It says, The present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. And the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red, and the stars in the sky fell to the earth. But through it all, the chaos of Newton's past, the chaos of the end of times, Newton declares that he is certain he was called by God here on earth, and that he is securely grounded in salvation by faith through the grace of Jesus Christ. God loves reforming wrecked people, angry people, spiteful people, and people that have gone off the deep end. God loves reforming those vehemently opposed to him, and he will use that over-the-top anti-God passion to come together as a good passion, God-honoring passion, and all to serve others for the glory of God. One closing thought. I found it interesting as I was studying this song more intently than I ever have that Newton never directly mentioned by name God in this song. He only spoke of what God did and how he did it, And he made it so perfectly clear that only God, through the sacrifice of Jesus, can renew and did renew his life fully and completely once and for all. Let's pray. Most gracious Father, we thank you for this life that you have given us. We thank you for your amazing grace. It is a sound so sweet. It is a sound so wonderful. And we thank you for this time that you have allowed us to remember you in this way, that your grace is so present, your grace is so real, and it is a grace that does not fail. It is a grace that is abundant. And we ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.